put a spell on you. Because you're mine. Stop the things you do. the term shock rock when i say that a few names come to mind yep alice cooper marilyn manson, marilyn manson fucking rob zombie yeah twisted friends yeah. of the show twisted yeah yeah all creative geniuses in their own rights but the garden they grew in would be nothing without the soil that helped them grow and that is the topic of today's episode this is the story of screaming jay hawkins this is toys for us Monster. Drinking better. Coke, chocolate, and candy. Blueberry. How about a bumper sandwich, booger lips? It's the most fun in the park. When you're laughing in the dark. That began the nightmare on my street. Weezy. It's just a game, isn't it? The Adam's family. Tears <laughs> from the crypt. <laughs> They say he's tired of his flaming top. He's got a yen to make a swap. So he rides one night each year to find a head in the hollow here. Anything can happen on Halloween. I'll put a spell on you. Ha, 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 ha,
<laughs> Hello. Hi. And welcome back to the 13 Days of Halloween. And welcome back to the Toys R Us podcast. Spooky time. Oh, spooky. 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 I'm just going to keep fucking saying spooky in every episode until James A. Janice gets his ass on the fucking podcast. Yes. Come on, James. Come on, James. Jimmy. Jimmy G. Yeah, welcome back to the Toys R Us podcast. The podcast that uncovers the history of a piece of your childhood that made it something special. My name is Richard Hunt, and with me as always is my cousin and co-host, Brian Muth. Hi, everybody. Brian. Yes, sir. Today we are covering just an absolute fucking legend. He is. Screaming Jay Hawkins. That's right. Are you ready for me to put a spell on you? Let's do it. Perfect. Just gather around, and I'll elucidate on what goes on outside when it gets late. We start our story in Cleveland, Ohio, in 1929. Cleveland, Ohio. Ohio, Ohio, Ohio. Nice. Where we meet up with a baby boy. Jalacy J. Hawkins. Baby J. His mother had seven children, each with a different father. Oh. And he grew up in foster homes. This is a quote from him that says, My mama said that, of all, that out of all the men, my father was the hardest, the meanest, and the rottenest. Oh, damn. She would look at me and say, You're no good. You're going to be just like your father. I said, I'm going to fool you. I'm going to make something of myself. <laughs> at age one and a half, Jay was fostered to a tribe of Blackfoot Indians, rich ones with houses in the city, oh, who raised me real good and taught me the value of a dollar, he told the Independent in 1999. Nice. Within a few years, he started teaching himself how to play piano. The kid idolized opera legend Enrico Caruso and the great actor-singer Paul Robeson. Jay said, Something I wanted to do but never did is sing opera. That goes back to my respect for Paul Robeson and Mario Lanza. But when I got into the music business, opera didn't get into the charts. They were just yeah. putting rhythm and blues out. He got... <laughs> this is one of my favorite things, because... Yeah. The dude is essentially Captain America. Okay? Okay. He got into the army with forged papers and fought in World War II. <laughs> Though he would have been no more than 14 or 15. Oh, fuck. In the documentary, I Put a Spell on Me, Hawkins claimed to have been taken as a prisoner of war while serving in World War II. He mentions that after liberation, he was pla- he placed a grenade in the mouth of his captors and pulled the pin. That's baller. What a fucking... I, I hope that's <laughs> true, because that's just too fucking cool. So goddamn good. Uh, a Golden Gloves boxer during his teens, it translated to boxing during and after the war. And Hawkins was an avid and formidable boxer during his years on the U.S. Army and later Air Force's boxing circuit. Damn. In 1949, he was the middleweight boxing champion of Alaska. Alaska's a big place, man. Big fucking cold goddamn place. Yeah. Tough motherfuckers. And I know it wasn't outside, but just the thought of getting punched in the face when you're cold? (laughs) Not good. No, that's a terrible feeling. Eventually, Jay pursued a less physically strenuous music career, and in 1951, he landed a spot playing piano with Tiny Grimes' Scottish kilt-wearing band, the Rocking Highlanders. That sounds baller. He, de- he delivered a mournful vocal on his first recording, Why Did You Waste My Time?, with crying, weeping, and a quick foreshadowing scream. If you didn't want me, baby, 
Slash Highlanders track issued on the Gotham label in 1953 credited him credited him as Screaming Jay Hawkins. And the legend was born. There you go. As his solo career got underway, the songs got wilder. His macabre streak is evident on the 1954 Jalacy Hawkins single on Timely, Baptize Me in Wine. As he babbles incessantly while singing about having the vino poured over his coffin confined still breathing body. Wine's gonna kill me, I don't mind that. There's worse ways to go. <laughs> Another song about wine, I found my way to wine, followed. <laughs> <laughs> So, this this hardened fucking war vet was just a wine mom. Yeah. <laughs> After singing with Mercury in, in early 1955, Jay let off with proof in the pudding that he was going to be a ghastly, loud, superstition-themed content creator, earlier than many were aware of. Oh, yeah. He was using Jay Hawkins professionally at the time, but the screaming nickname, with or without the G, like, on the Gotham disc, yeah, yeah. Uh, could have been should have been em- emblazoned on record labels. She put the whammy on me was designed to shock, with lyrics like, I bought a shotgun. A big long shotgun. Hop in the bell upside the head. I said release me. Highline woman, release me. Wild blow the moonlight. Clean through your bald head. Oh, fuck. Followed by guttural screams. Holy shit. She put the whammy on me. The Fright Factor switch was definitely on. Two singles for Mercury's Wing Records division were a bit more conventional, after which Hawkins signed with Epic's OK label and the Halloweenish hijinks resumed. In the fall of 1956, he commenced the nightmarish process of constructing his plastered masterpiece. Producer Arnold Maxson wasn't feeling the ballad approach Jay was intent on implying to I put a spell on you, because you're mine. That's how it originally was. Legend recounts a drunken in-studio soiree that took place after Arnold sent out for a large order of chicken and barbecued ribs with plenty of whiskey, wine, and beer for the whole band. Boom. Everyone got so smashed that Jay couldn't remember what had taken place. When he later heard the track, he supposedly didn't even recognize his own voice. Huh. Uh, this all happened when he was 27. That's... Wow. So think about like the full life this man led. Up to that point. Up to that point, right? He was a boxer, fought in the war, recording music, getting blackout drunk, and recording then, shit he doesn't remember. Yep. Yeah. Shit he doesn't remember that nobody would ever forget. Right. You know? Yeah. There's something more beautiful to that, I think. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Sessions proceeded with Leroy Kirkland's orchestra, Irving Nihon's mumbling fun tune, Little Demon, 
Got the Screaming Jay Hawkins spell treatment, and the repulsively appealing tracks were also placed uh, on the market as singles. Nice. Resistance at radio and a general fear of what may or what many felt was a cannibalistic eavesdrop <laughs> have been cited as reasons for the disc failure. Or maybe, like WAMI, it was just too far ahead of its time. Let's go with that one. It definitely Yeah. He recorded for Timely and Wing Records and joined Fats Domino Road Tour Band for a short time. The unruly, unforgettable results became a hit that was banned by many radio stations for its moans and grunts. Lame. Like, come on, dude. Seriously. Uh, reveling in his untamed image, he followed up with songs like Feast of the Mau Mau and Alligator Wine. Dude loves his wine. He does. Hey, there's definitely a pattern here. Yeah. The disc jockey promoter Alan Freed got the idea of bringing Mr. Hawkins on stage in a coffin for a Cleveland concert. Ah, oh, that's smart. Mr. Hawkins once said Freed paid him $5,000 to persuade him to go through with it, although other accounts say the bonus was 300 It thrilled the crowd, and the coffin became a regular part of the show. The best Screamin' Jay uh, anecdote I found comes from the fine book Showtime at the Apollo by Ted Fox. Okay. Hawkins carried the coffin wherever he went in a zebra-striped hearse. <laughs> it's it's so spooked the stagehands at the at the Apollo that they refused to handle it. Really? To keep the lid from locking, Hawkins used to stick a piece of matchbook into the mechanism. <laughs> On one occasion at the Apollo, Screamin' Jay asked one of the members of the Drifters to stick the matchbook in the lock on his way down to the stage. They never did it, said Hawkins. They waited patiently until I got in the coffin, and they came off stage, slammed the lid, and the sucker was jammed locked tight. That's when I found out you only get three and a half minutes of air in that coffin. Oh, fuck. When I realized I couldn't get out of that coffin, boy, I was so scared, I was crying. I was cussing, I was praying. I had on a white tuxedo, tails, gloves, hat, canes, bats, and all. Jeez. Then I started kicking, and that's what saved me, because it knocked it off its display, and when it hit the floor, it busted open. The audience thought it was part of the act, and I forgot the words. <laughs> I commenced to punching out every drifter I ran into. I hit about three of them, and had my sights next on Ben E. King. <laughs> Got him. They didn't show for the last two shows, and it took seven years before we started talking again. <laughs> Hell yeah, they almost killed the guy. Yeah. I don't, I don't blame him. No. Uh, the crowd went nuts, especially the female fans, but more on that later. Yeah. And Jay's fate was sealed in that box for the next four decades. Performance enhancements included flashy, tacky outfits, turbans, leopard skin jackets, zebra striped canes, Zulu warrior gear, bizarre props such as shrunken heads, rubber snakes, fuzzy, flexible spiders, and a cackling skull on a stick named Henry, <laughs> and occasionally a fake bone in the nose. NAACP was not entirely pleased. Jay didn't care as long as he can go to the bank, as he put it. <laughs> Interestingly, he was also resentful of his image. He felt like people were more drawn to his stage persona than his music. He said, if it were up to me, I wouldn't be screaming Jay Hawkins. James, Down- James Brown did an awful lot of screaming, but never got called screaming James Brown. Why can't people just take me as a regular singer without making the boogeyman out of me? Mr. Hawkins retired of having to play what he called that weird voodoo black screaming Vincent Price. <laughs> and in the early 1960s, he moved to Hawaii, where he, brought, where he bought a bar and tried to settle down. But by the late 60s, Mr. Hawkins had risen performing, playing up his boogeyman image, even as he protested that he still helped sing opera. 
Jay loved pop standards, but when it came to interpreting them to his own style, well, case in point, follow-up single, You Made Me Love You, parentheses, I Didn't Want to Do It, was played more for laughs. Hmm. An impolite inflection rendition of the classic James V. Monaco Joe McCarthy song, popularized by Al Jolson in 1913, and again by Judy Garland during her late 30s heyday. Jay practiced making sound effects with his voice, mouth, lips, and steam practically came out of his ears. And the wilderness, or, and the wildness continued with David Hill and Bobby Stevenson's Frenzy, its pace consistent with the song's title. Cole Porter's fabulous four-year-old musical number, I Love Paris, got the Screamin' Jay Hawkins treatment, and it hasn't been the same since. Jay's appearance in Alan Freed's fourth rock and roll movie, Mr. Rock and Roll, was left on the cutting room floor. Oh. Uh, it was going to be the song Alligator Wine, which is a nasty marsh creature concoction, a, har- a harrowingly swampy screamer, another delightful stomach turner. This is what people are saying of it. <laughs> the single marked the end of Jay's association with the OK Records in, in 1958, mere months after the release of his epic album At Home with Screaming Jay Hawkins. Uh, towards the end of the 60s, he made several recordings for Phillips Records, including the album What That Is, and its donation of a pot full of tasty vermin in Feast of the Mau Mau, and the infamous Constipation Blues, an experience known to all but shunned in song until Jake confronted the pain. Offensive? Ahead yes. Ahead of its time. Ahead of its fucking time. He finally turned up on the big screen briefly in the 78 rock flip about Freed called American Hot Wax. Torn kicked into high gear and Screaming Jay Hawkins appeared in nightclubs near pretty much fucking everywhere. Like, yeah, he was. Dude kept fucking busy. Yeah. Uh, the Pine Street Theater in Southeast Portland was transformed into Screaming Jay's. Screaming Jay's? <laughs> Screaming Jay's own den of iniquity one weekday evening in 1987. Uh, that sounds like fun. Sounds like so much fucking fun, dude. Yeah. Uh, he. Pulled out his talking skeleton head, Henry. Uh, he emerged from a fancy but well-worn coffin decked out in his voodoo jungle garb with dry ice smoke all around the stage, and he launched right into I Put a Spell on You. Oh, working club goers into a fever with one unnatural Hawkins standard after another. Finally closing well over an hour and a half later with a reprise of Spell. Nice. After a break, the show started over, with most of the first crowd hanging around for the worst scene again repeat. Witnessing four performances of his most famous song on one night was unexpected. (laughs) Soon afterwards, he became a cult movie star, starting with a small part in 1988's Two Moon Junction. Then his marvelous deadpan performance as the night clerk at a seedy Memphis hotel in Jim Jaramusch's twisted 89 indie flick, Mystery Train. Uh, where he starred opposite of Steve Buscemi. Get the fuck out of here. Yes. <laughs> That's something oh, I have to look shit. up. Shit. I'm sorry, man. Man, you got a curse on you. As sure as the moon rolls around the world. It was just an accident. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck, dude, that's awesome. Just one of those things that you're just like, oh. Okay. I didn't know I needed this, needed yeah. this in my yeah. life. 
A couple of other oddball parts in the film's Dance with the Devil uh, darted him in and out of theaters in the 90s. Screaming Jay Hawkins died after emergency surgery for, for him an aneurysm on February 12, 2000 oh. in France. Uh, but he requested he not be buried in the all-too-familiar coffin. Cremation was fine. <sighs> nice. With him saying, quote, I wrote in my will to cremate me. Fly me over the ocean and scatter, scatter the dust so I can be little particles in everybody's eyes. Drive everybody crazy for the rest of their lives. That sounds like something I would say. It's just fucking good, man. Dude, that's so cool. Uh, like Haw- style. He was a fucking stylish Legend, motherfucker, man. man. Hawkins married six times. Dude. He was stabbed by Shouting Pat Newberry out of jealousy when he wedded Virginia Salbanoa. And it's been rumored that he has fathered around 75 children. That's a lot of fucking kids. It's a lot of fucking kids. Good for him. His friend and biographer, Meryl Nivolian, even set up a website after Hawkins' death to trace all of them. <laughs> he found about 33, and some of them even met during a reunion in 2001. It's been verified, but a number isn't exact, that he does have somewhere between 55 and 75 children. <sighs> Man, screaming Jay's babies. You know? Even though he didn't get the appreciation he definitely deserved when he was alive and well, yeah. it's fairly easy to spot how much he has influenced other musicians, not just in rock and roll. No. Um, I Put a Spell on You has been covered numerous times by other iconic singers such as Annie Lennox, Credence Clearwater Revival, The Animals, Tim Curry, Buddy Guy, David Gilmore, Jeff Beck, and Carlos Santana, as well as others. Nice. And of course, it's a staple of the 90s classic Hocus Pocus. Sure, yeah. You know, doesn't like analytics. God. Must be talking to an angel, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know who our angel is? Oh, I know who our angel is. Who might that be? Saint Fatty. Oh, Saint Fatty, hell yes. In 1998, the Rhythm and Blues Foundation honored him with its Pioneer Award. Which, rightfully so. Fucking A. If anybody, it should be him. Right? Towards the end of his career, he would charge promoters $5,000 to pop out of a coffin. (laughs) Which makes sense, man. (laughs) Yeah. Getting too old for this shit. Yeah, for real. Uh, Another popular cover was by Nina Simone, an influential singer Mm. who performed a variety of standards in jazz songs before her death in 2003. Her 1991 autobiography is titled I Put a Spell on You. Yep. Her version reached number 23 on the R&B chart and crossed over to the pop, car- or pop chart in the UK where it peaked at 49 in 1965. It's it respectable. La- it landed on that chart again when it was re-released in 1969, this time at number 28. While the original mysteriously didn't show up in the Billboard charts, covers of the song have charted more than seven times in three different decades. Fuck. That's how you know it's a good song, if it, it's got that kind yeah, of staying power. if covers are getting on the yeah. fucking charts, you know? Uh, there is a website called amiright.com. They go over songs uh, on a song-by-song basis. The last part of their list is a list of song title am- anagrams. Oh, neat. My favorite of which is You Let Pup Sail On. <laughs> 
Which is where I put a spell on you. Nice. And with that, we leave you spellbound. Come back tomorrow for day 13 of 13, our Halloween special. Until next time, remember, you better stop the things you do. I lying. And remember, you will always be a Toys R Us kid. I put a spell on you. Oh, 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 oh.